And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. We're your hosts, Helge Halberg. And Mark Mulcahy. And Sitarani Palomar. And we are excited about today's show as we are looking at new life, the natural baby. Get him started right. Everything we can do to make the time before birth and the time after birth the most enjoyable and healthy and happy for both the mom and the baby, mothers and soon-to-be mothers, and all men as well. Listen up. Get him started right, the natural baby, today on An Organic Conversation. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited about this topic because as a woman who is looking at having kids down the line, I'm, I want to know what's going to be the answers to the questions that are going to be on my mind every single minute <laughs> in the coming years. So, Yeah, save, save a copy of this show. Yes, <laughs> on your iPod. <laughs> For the years to come. And and you know what I I love about this topic because it fits perfectly into what we talk about on the show all the time. We you know we talk about building the soil, we talk about taking care of the land, and and maintaining the fertility of the land. And so this really holds true for us in talking about this topic when we're bringing a new life into yeah. the world. Yeah. So you're talking about seeds. Yeah, we're talking yeah seeds. Life on all levels underneath our feet and. In our arms, or soon to be. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palmer. And we'll take a quick break, but stay tuned for our first interview about the natural baby. Only here on an organic conversation when we come back. Stay tuned. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Today's topic is the natural baby. Get them started right. There's so much information out there on this for most people. Sacred time of being pregnant and giving birth. While none of us here in the studio has been a mom yet, it's a topic that is very dear to us. Um, given the threats of environmental pollution of soil, air, and water, and other non-life-supporting environments and circumstances that we can be exposed to. How do we maneuver ourselves and our newborn or not yet born through this world in the most healthful and safe way possible? Well, we're about to find out. The natural baby, get them started right today in an organic conversation. And with us now is Dr. Debbie Hamilton calling in from Boulder, Colorado. Debbie Hamilton is a holistic pediatrician, an MD who also has training in the holistic world of health. Debbie, are you with us? I am. Thanks for joining us today. We're looking at the environment um, that we all manifest in, the physical environment, the food environment, um, and for the baby, the, the mother's womb. Um, you've been working in this field for many, many years. When did you decide to add the holistic part to your training? 
I've always been interested in nutrition, and I've done research in nutrition. Um, and I've also done some work in prevention, like preventative medicine, public health. And in pediatrics, where you actually have a, a start early with them, it just makes sense, kind of holistic, because you can get them healthy and keep them healthy. Um, yeah, it seems that, especially in the time before birth, there's n not that much else other than making sure the mom is as supported as possible, right? And that the, the most direct way is through food. So the nutrition angle makes perfect sense. Right. What actually even makes more sense is something that we haven't addressed is actually having the mom get healthy and improve her diet, improve her health even before getting pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of friends who work in the holistic health movement. Um, I work for Bowman College, and a lot of our yeah. graduates will use this as their their niche, right? They'll go into nutrition counseling for mothers-to-be to help them get their their systems as, as healthy as they can be so it's a good environment for the baby so that they're healthy enough to carry the baby. So, yeah, that's wonderful. How early do you um, do you tend to work with mothers and babies before? Um, before, before, like before they even consider pregnancy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least three months, but I've mm -hmm. had women who are like, okay, it's the winter and I want to get pregnant in the summer. What do I need to do? Mm. What's your, what's, if you, if you had it your way, <clears throat> as you, I hear you do often, <laughs> <laughs> what is, what's the ideal time for somebody to come in and, um, or is that based on circumstances of exposure to pollutants perhaps? What's, it, what's, it actually depends. I mean, if I have a mom who's already has a child or already has a child who's had some health problems, You know, then you really want to look at, at her health um, and, and kind of the longer the better, at least six months. Um, why, like, why six months? Why do you um, recommend that time frame? I'm just thinking, like, say she has, like, silver fillings in her mouth, which are 50% mercury. If she wants to get those out safely and also be able to detox, you want to make sure she has adequate time to do that and then improve her health before she actually considers getting pregnant. For most women, about three months in terms of kind of like the the cycle of the egg, and also for men, even the cycle of the development of the sperm. So that's kind of, you know, kind of a minimum of three months. And so since you're, you're talking about that, is there a, a recommendation on if you're asking a woman to get start getting ready three months before she's going to get right. pregnant, is there something that you would also request of, of the man to do before, mm. uh, you know, they, they were going to start trying to get pregnant? Well, some of the same things in terms of like cleaning up the diet, um, in terms of, you know, organic foods, getting rid of the pesticides, which we know has a negative effect on development of the nervous system, um, you know, basic supplements, depending on their diet, um, you know, starting cleaning up their, their home environment. Mm -hmm. All you mm -hmm. guys are, you know, what, what cleaners do they use in their house? You know, what are they using the products for their skin? Um, I actually think we're going to learn more and more about the the importance of what the men, their health also. Yeah, that's that's actually fascinating to me, that um, how would the physical health of a man, I mean, I can think of like stress reduction, if you're in the best shape and form, um, right. you could be in to to have, you know, soon to be, uh, be a father and have a family. Is that what you're addressing? Or is it the support for the woman that if you have a healthier household that the man um, you know, lives in as well and, and, and creates every day, that that automatically means a healthy environment for the woman or both? Um, I think it's kind of both. I mean, if they're, if they're eating healthier food, usually most people, both people are eating healthier foods and the environment's healthier. But in terms of stress, you're talking about stress um, and fertility. Like a lot of chemicals in our environment have estrogen-like effects, which is obviously not something that we want a, a man to have. Um, if he's thinking about, you know, a family trying to get pregnant. So, but even like nutrients like the mineral zinc is really important for fertility. 
So they have to look at their individual diet in addition to what they're doing with what the woman is doing. I want to go back, Debbie, to what you were saying um, before that in terms of getting ready and the things that you can address before getting pregnant. Can you can you tell us about what you'd recommend in terms of detox, like how you would do it, what you would do it, in what time frame you would do it? Yeah, mercury fillings, right? You were saying six months to really um, chelate them out of the chelate them out of the body. Um, How do you do that? Um, Well, first, you probably need to work with some kind of practitioner who uh, one can test them. but people have a different, everybody genetically has a different ability to detoxify. So, you know, some people can, their bodies are more effective than others. So if you work with a practitioner, sometimes you actually have to improve your, your ability to detoxify. Like liver function. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like liver function. Like um, there's something called glutathione, which is really right. important for liver detoxification. Um, so that kind of thing. Um, then there are, are everything from like herbs like chlorella that can help bind mercury. Um, there's also some prescription medicines that some um, integrative practitioners use. Uh, but then again, you need to work with somebody specifically if you're talking about metal detox. And then things just like a sauna, you know, like an infrared mm. sauna. Um, you can actually literally sweat out toxins too. And that's a really safe way to get rid of toxins. And, and I've, you know, there have been lots of studies with, uh, I know with children around organophosphates and stuff like right, that, yeah. where they've fed them a diet that con- that contained organophosphate uh, pesticides um, in the, that was with the food being grown and then fed them that for a week and did uh, urine tests and, right. and found that they contained it. And then again, took them off that diet and gave them only organic food and found that they had very little or none of the organophosphates in their urine. So yeah, within a week, right? I mean, yeah. it was amazing. Very quickly, yeah. Yes. Um, so besides, besides food, and food is a, is a biggie, cleaning up the household, um, cleaning up any possible toxins in the, in the immediate environment of, of home and, and family um, as well in the diet, what else is there that somebody can do before they give birth that you recommend? Before they give birth or before they get pregnant? Oh, good. Both. Yes, before they get pregnant. Oh, okay. Um, Both, actually, yes. Yeah. Well, when you're pregnant, obviously, your body needs so many more different nutrients. And there's some things that in our diet, um, just our modern diet, are really low, like the omega-3 fats. And specifically, the one DHA, people know like fish oil. Mm-hmm. But DHA is really important for the baby's growth. It's actually also important for mom to prevent postpartum depression. So I recommend women actually start getting prenatal vitamins and start taking omega-3 fats um, kind of before pregnancy. How much before? Again, like it depends on the health of the woman, but three months is a really good kind of time period for kind of a normal, healthy woman. And if someone was a vegetarian, is there something that they can do? Um, If you're vegetarian, there's a couple things you can be lower in. I mean, zinc is one, Mm -hmm. um, iron, and B12. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a multi- actually a lot of prenatals will have adequate amounts, but that's a, just another reason. Um, and also before pregnancy, you know, the first trimester is when all the organs are formed for the baby. So the people know like, oh, I need to take folic acid to kind of prevent any problems in the nervous system. But if, if you don't have the folic acid before and you get pregnant, you know, maybe you're already a month into pregnancy mm-hmm. or six weeks and then you start taking the vitamins well, some of the organs are already formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of multivitamins, are there any really good um, prenatal multivitamins that you recommend? I know that New Chapter Organics, I mean, they're great because they're organic, but right. what, what do you recommend people look for when they look for um, a prenatal vitamin? I've actually gone through this. I do some workshops on this, 
and I actually went through like all these different um, prenatal vitamins. Um, I said, I've done a lot of research in nutrition, so this is kind of, I actually know the different forms that are very important. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's certain things that you need to be higher in pregnancy. Um, Definitely an organic one is good because you have, it's easier to absorb. Um, So new chapter is a good, a good one. Um, Rainbow light and um, super nutrition both have prenatal vitamins that are good. Like if you wanted just to get one in a whole food store. Um, there's also a company, I really like the one by Thorne, um, but you can't always get that. Sometimes a health practitioner needs to grab that for. Yeah, so over-the-counter, since that's such an important time of life, you would always right. recommend working with a professional, right, either a holistic nutritionist or somebody like you who has both um, And in this moment. And we're talking with Debbie Hamilton, who is both an MD um, in, in pediatrics as well as a holistic, holistic practitioner, um, so you are the perfect combination of a holistic pediatrician. Um, right. And working with somebody is really the, the safest way to go. Of course. The safest way, and you can do it the most individual. Because one of the other things that people don't think about um, is all your digestive system. Um, and a lot of people now have, like, irritable bowel and digestive problems or have been on a lot of antibiotics. Um, and, you know, we have this environment where you're supposed to have all this good bacteria in your intestines. Um, and a lot of with our environment for their foods and antibiotics, you know, that environment is not, um, it's kind of disrupted. Mm-hmm. But when a, woman, when a woman's pregnant and she gives birth, the babies actually get the good bacteria from their mom. So, and the good bacteria, the babies, you know, it helps their immune system and digestive system form. So do you think that probiotics are a really healthy um, thing for a woman to incorporate into her diet as she's looking to get pregnant? That's exactly what, yep, yeah, that's my point. That's huh. perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and Debbie, you know, I was just wondering. So, if I know that often it's recommended that women take multivitamins or um, prenatal vitamins and things like that, but there's also you were talking about the importance of folate, and there's also right. a lot of good food sources, right? You know, like right. spinach and lettuce and asparagus and all those types of things. Black beans. Uh, do you also recommend that the, even if you're taking um, a prenatal vitamin, that you're incorporating more of those things into your diet? Oh, definitely because there's so many things in food that we don't even know, like all those phytonutrients I don't even even understand. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Wilkehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we have a wonderful conversation with Dr. Ha- Debbie Hamilton, a holistic pediatrician, as we're looking at the natural baby, get him started right on today's show. Um, so, Debbie, if we look at those, the, the trimesters before birth, you're right. saying cleaning up your household, cleaning up your environment internally right. and externally, getting the support of your husband or the father of your child or whoever you may be living with um, to, to, to be from a nerve point, stress point, um, to, to a toxic level in the best shape you could possibly be healthiest and, and clean. And then as you get closer to pregnancy, to wanting to be pregnant, right. to already be supported, whether or not you will get pregnant um, right, right when you want to or you know a little bit later, that time actually might be important for you to, to boost up um, your health on all levels. Right. Um, we want to dive into then you are pregnant, what will happen then. And um, we'll take a quick break. Uh, that's the next uh, part of our show today. So stay stay put with us, Debbie. Um, please stay on the phone. We'll okay. be right back with you. We'll take a super quick break. You're listening to An Organic Conversation, and we'll be back with more. Stay tuned. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. 
My name is Earl Herrick, and I am the owner of Earl's Organic Produce, a San Francisco Bay Area distributor fully committed to organic produce. From the time one could find organic fruits and vegetables only in natural food stores to now, when schools and fine restaurants feature organic, we have been forging relationships with growers for over 20 years. If you want to offer the finest organic produce to your employees or customers, find us at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. The Farmer Veteran Coalition is a nonprofit organization dedicated to provide veterans with resources, education, and technical assistance to prepare them to become successful farmers. After serving their country, many veterans are interested in working with the land but do not have a background in farming or ranching. Help the Farmer Veteran Coalition to assist veterans in starting a new career in sustainable agriculture. For more information, please visit farmvetco.org. That's farmvetco.org. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today's topic is the natural baby. Get him started right. Um, we have Dr. Debbie Hamilton with us, a holistic pediatrician, talking about the time before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and after birth. And before we get back into that interview, here's the weekly update of the world of produce. Our very own Mark Mulcahy, produce maven. What's in season? <laughs> Thank you, Produce Maven. Yes. Um, so, yes, it's What's in Season. And today we are going to talk about a lot of things that are really good for baby food since we're talking about getting them started right. And we've got Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic Produce in San, at the San Francisco Produce Market, the voice of the market on the air. Earl, what are some of the things at the market right now that would be good to make baby food out of? And what's going on with them? Yeah, well, you know, there are, hey, First of all, how y'all doing? We're doing good. <laughs> Great, Earl. How hey, are Earl. you? Yeah, I'm good. You know, the market um, always holds a lot of things, a lot of a lot of choices for for food to, to give your babies. Um, winter squash, uh, apples, pears, 
bananas, sweet potatoes, yams, and avocados. Mm-hmm. You know, all these can Yum. be uh, distilled to really um, uh, squishy things, I guess is what we want to say. And, uh, for example, right now, winter squash, uh, easy, to, easy to cook, easy to mash down, very easy to enjoy. And we're, we're in between supply here. California's finished, and Mexico is just starting up. So that supply is a little limited, but there's plenty of product, a lot of different choices. With the apples and pears... And then let, let me just interject, uh, Earl, when the, when the um, varieties or the, the quantity is a little bit limited, we usually see throughout the country a slightly higher price, right? It regulates itself that way? Absolutely. That, that is self-regulating. The supply will always regulate the, uh, the price. Uh, low, <clears throat> excuse me, low supply is going to give you a little bit higher price. Yes. Okay. And that's one way it just self-regulates. And then nicely. you were talking apples. That's last year's harvest, yes? Yeah, exactly. Apples and pears are all coming out of storage at this point, but we are beginning to see a new crop of Bartlett pears coming out of the um, southern hemisphere, and that's probably what the better, the best of the pears. It's very creamy. Uh, you can mash it down really well. It's got a slight sweetness, very appealing to the little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, bananas, the same thing, obviously, in terms of easily digestible and used. And there's some peculiar things happening there. There's a major flood going on in Peru uh, in the last couple of weeks, record rainfalls, which is probably going to affect 80% of their crop. But luckily, you know, we have a bigger area from which to draw. We'll have some Mexican and Ecuadorian. So, again, we may see a little price uh, bump there with that supply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet potatoes, uh, again, We're in this off-season time. You have production that can come out of uh, uh, different areas of California, uh, Georgia, uh, Louisiana, and Mississippi. But the season starts in August. So as you can see on the calendar, we're coming around on the back end of that. And uh, the suppliers are releasing the product slowly, making it available, keeping the supply tight so they have enough to last till August. So again, prices are not not wonderful, but still very usable. But so the quality of these things are, are oh. going to be good for, for people yeah. if they're shopping at the store. It's just that they may see a little bit of a price upswing for some of these items right now because of the time of year. Yeah, you, you know, you wouldn't even know, you would not even know they're coming out of storage. That's very sophisticated nowadays. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. there are some apple varieties, I just learned, that actually are getting better with storage. There are some mm-hmm. that don't taste great off the uh, fresh off the tree, but you can that's, actually store them to perfection. Uh, you know, that's very true, and they're, and they're getting more specific with those. You know, I think a good apple for, uh, for kids is a Granny Smith. You know, that that uh, cooks down really well, and it's not too overly sweet, and it's got a nice benign flavor. And, and that, that's fantastic, Earl. That's great information. And for anybody who's going to be feed, feeding their babies and wants to get good organic uh, produce, those are some really good recommendations. Yes. Thank you so much, Voice of the Market. Uh, maybe someday you'll be a produce maven, too, as, as uh, Helga <laughs> oh, mentioned. Yes. Um, He's the, he can only aspire to be a produce maven. He's the Uber maven. He's the, he's the Uber maven. That's right. Um, but anyway, thank you as always, Earl. Appreciate you being on. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. See you again. Great, Great to have you. From you. Thank Bye you. Earl. 
So as Earl mentioned, you know, one of the things when you mentioned Granny Smith apples is it has a little tartness to it because it is recommended when you're feeding your babies to not just feed sweet, 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 because babies will get used to wanting just sweet stuff. And so that, that sweet tart's a good apple Does to that happen with you, Mark? <laughs> I, look how sweet I turned out. Um, so, but I, one of the things that I wanted to focus on was sweet potatoes because they are so they are so good for for young babies. And uh, when you're choosing your sweet potatoes, you want to look for them that are really firm, have no bruises or cracks or even little holes in them. And medium-sized ones tend to have the best texture. They don't get the stringiness that a really large one will get. And actually, if you really go out and look now, you can still find some of those little baby or bite-sized. Uh, sweet potatoes in some of your regional markets, so they're worth looking at because they cook up really quick. But you never want to store your sweet potatoes in the refrigerator. They will produce a really hard center and a very unpleasant taste. So make sure that you store them in a well-ventilated area. Um, and I and the thing about the well-ventilated area keeps the, any mold spores from uh, occurring on, on the sweet potato. So you, you don't want to put them in your fridge. You want to put them in a cool, dark, dry area that's well ventilated. You can even put them in a basket for up to a couple weeks. And you can keep sweet potatoes, oh, seven to 10, maybe 14 days if you keep them like that. And then something else to consider is that if you're looking for sweet potatoes for, for your baby is buy organic because they can't use sprout inhibitors on organic sweet potatoes. And they can on, um, conventional sweet potatoes and that's they're pretty toxic and so it's right on the skin and the skin's good to eat so you want to make sure you buy organic sweet potatoes and lastly if you find that your baby doesn't like the real sweetness of a sweet potato you can uh, smooth in a little yogurt just to counteract with that sweetness and it tends to make them like it a little bit more so that's what's in season Thanks, Mark. Hey, I have another one, too. I find Japanese sweet potatoes tend to be a little bit less sweet than traditional sweet potatoes. So if the sweetness is something you're trying to um, decrease, maybe go with a Japanese sweet potato instead. We'll have to do a little sweet potato off and oh see God, what we think about yeah. that. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark Mukihi with What's in Season. Thanks, Mark. Helga, before we move away from that, I wanted to ask you, you said there was a variety of apple that stores really well and the flavor improves as time goes on? Yeah, it's actually when you pick it fresh off the tree, it's not a good apple at all. It doesn't it doesn't taste well at all. Even if you're, you know, I like really tart or really extreme, it's just not a good flavor. Which when, apple when is you, that? When you store it, it gets better every month. It's the Spitzenberg. I think there are a couple more varieties, but that's the one I really like. Um, that three, four months in storage is, turns into a really kind of spicy, very sweet, delicious, um, crispy, very crispy apple. It was Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple, actually. Mm-hmm. Marcus, yeah. can you find Spitzenbergs in the retail store? Uh, on, more on specialty markets. So a lot of natural food stores might carry them. For a few weeks. Uh, for a few weeks, yeah, not for very long. And they're an heirloom apple, so more and more, they're becoming more and more heirloom orchards around the country that uh, yes. where people are growing them. So, yes, yeah. for heirlooms. We're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And today's topic is the natural baby, get them started right. There's so much information out there for this very, very sacred time. For most of us, the time before getting pregnant, being pregnant, and then giving birth in the first couple of years for the newborn, with the newborn. Um, With us still joining us from Boulder, Colorado, is Dr. Debbie Hamilton, holistic pediatrician. Um, Debbie, again, thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. We talked about what can be done um, 
before pregnancy, how to build up to pregnancy. Once somebody is pregnant, um, how important or how dangerous is it to keep the detoxification of the body up? Because everything that goes through the body, in this case, even um, toxins that are being you know, sweated out or, right. or chelated out um, might affect the baby. What's, what's your take on right. that? Actually, that's a really good point because you should not do any detox while pregnant, which is why it's so important to do that before pregnant because once you are pregnant, you actually can expose the baby and, um, as the toxins come out and be worse. Does that include uh, physical exercise or you re recommend no, it sauna? Exercise. Well, there's also something with pregnancy. You don't want to get your t body temperature too high. Ah, so yes. That's why you know, they recommend not jacuzzis and saunas. But so regular exercise is very much encouraged. Yeah, and what, what's, your, what's your take on yoga, for example, prenatal exercise? Yep. Um, the they, they actually have prenatal yoga, and they actually even once a baby's born, they have kind of you know, mom and me yoga too. Really? Mom, yeah. and, mom and me? For, for like mom and baby. <laughs> for how? postnatal yoga. So how little? How little? Little me? Like what? At what age do these mom and me yoga classes? But what? Which is the child? This is so fascinating. Right. Well, usually, you know, you, the woman's not supposed to do any kind of physical activity for like six weeks uh -huh. after birth. But after that, and they bring the babies with them, and it's wonderful. Um, but prenatal yoga, I mean, they've actually done studies that. Um, It obviously decreases stress for the mom, but if mom's not as stressed, the size of her baby is actually better, more normal. Mm. And that kind of stress that might be in, in somebody's life, of course, uh, transfers right back to the baby, right? If we right. think we can, we can be just present and calm in the moment we nurse, um, usually that right. doesn't work. It's, it's no, the, it definitely doesn't. I mean, yeah, the stress is associated with smaller uh, babies, birth weight. Sometimes they're born earlier. Um, when you think about all the hormones, You know, any hormone that mom has going through her is going to affect the baby. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the so good ones know. that you get from exercise must right. be good for Happy. baby. Right. Happy baby. <laughs> and so you were saying that, you that you know, you don't want to do saunas and things. So that means someone who's doing Bikram yoga would probably have to discontinue that right. and go to... A regular, yeah. You yeah. do not want to do that would... Because also, you know... Yeah, no, that would be dangerous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even, like, would you stop physical exercise um, the moment you got pregnant? Oh, no, you don't actually don't want to stop exercise at all. Or like, you know, sweating, sauna. Is that like the, cardio, the moment? You, yeah, the moment you... Um, cardio is okay. Again, you know, a woman who is fit going into pregnancy uh -huh, sure. is definitely able to continue. A little longer. A little longer. The main thing with cardio exercise um, is you don't want to get your heart rate too high. What, what is too high? Yeah, what would that be? Um, like over 140, if you say. Like, so if you're fit and you're a runner, you can continue to run. You know, honestly, most people take it down just because they're more tired, yeah, they sure. don't feel as well. Um, but actually, if they do exercise through pregnancy, you know, it makes a delivery. You know, they're more fit for delivery. Mm. They recover more quickly from the, you know, from the delivery. And it's just easier for them to get back in shape and be healthier. So you want to be in the best shape, most healthy environment, um, most, uh, you know, physically fit Before you get pregnant, once you get right. pregnant, you can keep some of that up. But you do transition into the time of support right. and, um, and and more nourishment. You were saying, you know, start kind of a healthy nutrition regimen before yeah. pregnancy even and definitely keep it up. Um, work with a holistic practitioner, especially in the world of, of nutrition right. and have the most nutrient-dense diet. Yeah. Um, when we get 
closer to birth or during birth, Mark, you had a really good comment earlier. Well, I was wondering, I was just reading a, a study that was talking about the benefits of, of vaginal birth. And I was wondering, do you have any um, comments or recommendations or are there any benefits of one type of birth over another? Um, there are definitely benefits for, of, for vaginal birth. There are benefits to the mom. Obviously, C-section is a, a major abdominal surgery. So just the effects of the anesthesia, you know, surgery infections, um, and also the recovery time. Um, for baby, there's actually things, if you think about natural birth, the baby's actually squeezed. Um, and some of that squeezing actually gets the fluid out of their lungs. Mm. So the babies who are born by C-section have more problems with fluid in their lungs. They have more problems breathing. The more likely to get go than the neonatal intensive care unit, more likely to have pneumonias. Um, and I also mentioned that, you know, natural birth, um, that's where they get all the good probiotic bacteria. So babies born um, by vaginal delivery, they have less problems with, like associated with low bacteria, like colic and reflux and allergies. Um, so they tend to have a lot easier time. Mm. Um, and there's, there's, there's more and more studies on, on this, right? Right, yes, very much so, actually. Um, they've looked very much at the, all the whole probiotic and digestive piece. Um, but just the trauma. There's probably other hormones um, like oxytocin and bonding hormones and things that are, I mean, it's what nature is meant to do. Yeah, that's a very good point. When I, uh, somebody cut my appendix out when I was 14 and, and he said, no, 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 as far as we know this, you know, th you don't need it. It's just, we don't, I mean, it's just hanging there. It's okay. Right. You don't, it's <laughs> as if there's any body part that is not designed with some kind of function. Right. Now, now we know the appendix is yeah. um, really important for the immune system. <laughs> yeah, 30 years ago, it was like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't know. This is extra. We don't know, can, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't really need that. Let me get it out. Yes, so the more we learn, you mentioned that earlier before the break, um, there is more knowledge, and it, it, it does confirm the wholeness and complexity and interactions of of all parts of right. of nature of natural birth of whole foods of course coming together right um the squeezing is interesting uh, that's a literal term right when the baby is born right um it gets squeezed um so i worked in a children's hospital for two years and uh sometimes we had to help the body uh, to come out through right. vaginal birth and um, there's literally um, a little plunger that you use right. that gets s stuck to the baby's head and you plunge it out. Yeah. And at that moment, the baby's head honestly looks like a little alien it's, um, or whatever aliens may look like. But yeah. um, it has a very funny shape and you can literally head. kind of press exactly a cone head. You can literally press it back um, into shape. Um, and, and it kind of goes back into shape anyway. But it's amazing how flexible babies are to make it through that journey. It's, right. it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's definitely... Well, actually, another thing I thought of is, you know, women who have a vaginal birth, the babies actually... Usually they can start nursing more quickly. You know, they don't have to go through the rest of that surgery. And so there's like the skin-to-skin uh, skin -skin contact... Um, um, and breast milk actually comes in later for yes. women who are, have C-section. So we it's going to hurt that natural bond, too. Beautiful. That's a beautiful um, intro into the time after birth, which we want to talk with you about. Um, stay on the phone with us. Um, this is a fascinating conversation. We are talking with Dr. Debbie Hamilton, holistic pediatrician from Boulder, Colorado. Um, and the website for Debbie is holistic 
pediatric.com. Debbie, stay with us, and we'll take another quick break, and we'll be right back with you. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we are back here to an organic conversation, an organic baby conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. <laughs> I'm Mark Mulcahy. <laughs> and I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today's topic is the natural baby. Get him started right. Um, there's so much information out there, and we will create some clarity. We are creating clarity today um, with holistic pediatrician Dr. Debbie Hamilton, who's joining us from Boulder, Colorado today. Uh, Debbie, before the break, you were talking about uh, breast milk and the importance of that. And, of course, everything the mother eats and drinks and ingests um, will make it into the breast milk. Um, to, to What needs to be looked at? What do people need to be careful about? Um, you mentioned herbs during the break. Um, can you allude to that? Um, as I said, you know, anything they take in, um, and that's why their diet and you know, still doing organic food, so, you know, they don't get absorbed, uh, exposed to pesticides, um, continuing prenatal vitamins, especially the omega-3, the DHA, because this is one of the largest times, the beginning of a nursing, where the DHA, the basic, the baby needs it for their brain. Um, That's interesting. You say keep taking prenatal vitamins even after right. you have your baby while you're breastfeeding. Right. Mm-hmm. 
You actually need more calories and more nutrients when you're nursing a baby than you do when you're pregnant. Mm, so there's this um, horrible study of pesticides or, or chemicals in um, the umbilical cord of the unborn right, exactly. child, 287 or so, were measured, um, as well as studies of, of pollution in the breast milk. Would you Are you still an advocate of breast milk regardless? Um, I am, um, but that's also partly why I think it's really important to detoxify before you're pregnant because mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for healthy pregnancy and also healthy nursing. And one thing we can't do, there's some things we can't do with formula, but one of them is there's a lot of immune factors that are in breast milk to help the baby's immune system develop, but also to keep them safer from infections. And you were, you were talking about that bond between mom right, and, and, physical, and baby bond. too, yes, because the baby, if the baby could choose, of course it would choose right, yeah. the breast, right? And, right. And, and Debbie, you know, there's so many things out there about breastfeeding and, you know, whether, you know, that's the best or, or not. And, I mean, I've read things like where they said that, that babies can have increased bone density, that it helps them right. uh, with the risk of heart disease later in life, different things like that. I mean, is there a lot of studies that actually back, um, you okay. know, that up, the yep, benefits even, of breast milk? Yep, decreased obesity, increased intelligence, um, you know, decreased infection, decreased allergies. Um, we still can't. We still don't know everything that's in breast milk, um, and even when we look at how much iron is in breast milk compared to formula, the, the breast milk has so many things in it that allow the baby to absorb that all those mm. nutrients much more, mm-hmm. much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nature's ingenuity once again. Right, and I, we can. And you're right. An emotional bond is wonderful. I mean, you don't want to give that up. You know, as my kids are teenagers, but you know, <laughs> it's been a while. But it really is wonderful, mm-hmm. and it really is special. And, and I noticed that you've studied aromatherapy. Yep. And I was wondering, is there any place in prenatal or uh, during pregnancy or after pregnancy where you um, recommend or have found uh, aromatherapy to be beneficial? Um, well, there are definitely a lot of essential oils that have very calming effects. Um, so that's a very good thing in pregnancy. Um, but they are, you know, strong compounds. So... Anything you put on your skin, you're going to absorb. So I wouldn't want women to use it topically, per se, because you don't know the effects. Um, but after birth, there will be no problem. Um, and I actually do use some essential oils um, that help, you know, if somebody has a cold, like eucalyptus and thyme. So I actually recommend it for, you know, moms, but also for babies when they're sick. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can't have it in the room, for example, right? To, to, for um, a baby? Yeah, or not you, so much? Like one drop. You know, it can be very strong, very concentrated. Um, so sometimes you can put one drop with water and make like a spray, a pretty dilute spray. Great, yes. And just as you ingest something through the nose um, and the skin, you also ingest things through your ear. We had a great show a couple of weeks ago about music and the healing power of music and yeah. sound. Um, do you go into that at all when you work with pregnant women? Not in terms of the sound. Um, but if you think about how common they are, like during the the birth, would be a wonderful time, you know, one to have the, the essential oils, but also music, you know, in terms of the whole environment that the baby comes into the world. It's much much calmer than the, you know some of the traditional hospital births. Yes. Um, once the baby is in this world, and we continue with the mom on a kind of nutrient dense supported. Um, you know, lifestyle, uh, yeah. the least toxic exposure as possible, the least stress after six weeks or so, 
you would recommend starting kind of the exercise regime a little bit again, kind of right. kicking things back into gear. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's your recommendation in terms of breastfeeding and then switching to other foods, more solid foods, um, on what timeline and what would you recommend yeah. there? Um, usually, you know, you want a woman to exclusively breastfeed, so no other solid foods for like the first six months of life. Um, but that, at that point, six months of life is a good time to start to introduce foods. And then what would you, what, what's your classic approach to to the solid foods? The like solid which foods to introduce? Right. Early. Well, the classic one from pediatrics is kind of the rice cereal. Um, and the main thing, reason to offer foods at six months is actually because the baby starts to need more minerals than the breast, fill, than the breast milk can provide, like zinc and iron. So but, except rice cereal isn't a natural source of some minerals, and it's actually not that much of a nutritious food. You know, there's no protein in it. There's not a lot of fat. Um, so some of the thing is, um, there's a book called Nourishing Traditions. Does that Sally Fallon. Fallon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sally Fallon. Yes, we had her on the show. She's okay. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> um, well, she has a good recommendations, and she really stresses the importance of all those good fats. The brain is 60% fat, and I like tell parents, we're growing a brain. We need to get those good fats in. Um, and so, like a cooked egg yolk, if you mm. think about egg yolk, it has a lot of good fats, it has vitamin E, it has cholesterol, all sorts of things. Um, and I'm much more, you know, to give vegetables or things like avocados. Um, it's kind of some first foods. I actually did research on looking at giving babies at six months, like literally pureed beef versus rice cereal. Um, and the babies who had pureed beef, one, they tolerated it with no problem. But they had, you know, better zinc and iron levels because we checked those up by blood. We actually looked at the development. Um, so I don't do the traditional, you know, kind of rice cereal kind of basis. Um, you're not saying beet. You're saying beef, right? Beef, right. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I grew up on. I, and literally, I'm making jokes of it but um, at several shows. But the first thing after my mother's breast was um, actually raw ground beef. Because yeah. it's very common and very safe in Germany, and yeah, that's what you get. Wow. <laughs> Which well, I also think you know, breast milk is fifty percent fat. So to go from breast milk, fifty percent fat, and then to go to like a, a rice cereal, mm-hmm. which is like zero percent fat and zero percent protein, it doesn't make sense. And I've seen babies sure. who actually, you know, start don't start to they don't grow as well after that. Right. But right. you would you would recommend cooking most foods, right? I would recommend cooking all foods (laughs) (laughs) for for a baby. And they need, obviously, to be mashed and soft. Yes. Um, Well, and and speaking of fat, I'm curious if you can talk about coconut oil, because um, in in my work, learning about coconut oil being a rich source of lauric acid, which we only know elsewhere in breast milk, um, as being hugely important in the development of a baby's immune system, because it's an antiviral and antimicrobial and antibacterial. Can you talk a little bit about um, the health or the benefit of of feeding a baby coconut oil? Um, Well, part of it is, as you said, the lauric acid. Part of it is just it's a great source of fat. Uh Um, It's also... Basically, has some medium chain fats, mm-hmm. so the fats are actually really easy to absorb. And so, this is fascinating. To me. <laughs> I have, I actually have a 25 year old and a uh, going to be a 22 year old daughter. And they yeah. wish they were six months again. Well, you don't have you. You know, as much as as much as the not sleeping and all that stuff that occurs right. sometimes during that, you still, as a parent, you know, you love every single minute of it. And, right. Yeah. Um, and and Debbie, it sounds like you know because you have teenage children. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But what are some of the changes in attitude and practice that you are seeing in regards to all these things we've been talking about now? I mean, bef- kind of what we're talking about now is when yeah. when I when my daughters were young, it was considered just all alternative, right? We had to go. We had to really kind of. Right. We were told at, at many doctor's offices, "Well, that's fine, but we'd like you to do it this yeah, way." Yeah, the '70s were all about formula, and so right, it seems yeah. like we're coming back to that a little bit. Is that true? Is that we're definitely what you're coming seeing? Much more back to. Of course, I live in Boulder. So. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, women are breastfeed and they're breastfeed for two years, which yes. really hasn't been recommended or, you know, it but, is. But throughout the, the throughout the nation, is there a change to looking at the holistic nature of life again? I think so. Like, I have a lot of families who come in um, who say, oh, yeah, we eat all organic foods and I shop at farmers markets and. Um, like now, certain things that used to be, like probiotics used to be, kind of, what is that? So the idea about the good bacteria is very well mm-hmm. known now. Yes, like that. and we are learning every year more and more about right. this world. Right. so many interactions that we don't even understand yet. Right. Um, Debbie, it's been a pleasure. Dr. Debbie Hamilton, you have a book coming out, A Mother's First Gift, um, that will be available hopefully in a couple of months on your website. Again, that website is holisticpediatric.com. Um, Dr. Debbie Hamilton from Bola, Colorado, joining us today. Thank you so much, Debbie, for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Wonderful. So great. Thank you, Debbie. You're listening Thanks. to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And Sitarani Palomar will take it away right now with her oh, yes. holistic, holistic bite. bite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Helga. Oh, my goodness. So earlier today we were talking about sweet potatoes, and when Mark called me and said, what's in season this week? We're going to do sweet potatoes. I thought this is such a perfect food for this topic because it's so good for you and it's so good for baby. Because um, sweet potatoes are a rich source of fiber, which means that they're excellent for the digestive health of a baby. They're soft, um, so they're easy to easy to feed a, a young child. They're also rich in vitamin A and C, as well as potassium and calcium. And they have um, carotenoid antioxidants, so really good for you know, um, combating oxidative stress from digestion. And they help to stabilize blood sugar levels, so another great thing to start introducing into a child's diet from very young. One of my favorite sweet potato recipes, which I actually think is really great um, – for, for babies with an adjustment to a couple of the spices is a pureed sweet potato with cinnamon. And when I make it for myself, I do cinnamon and chili powder and cayenne because I love the spiciness, although you wouldn't want to do chili powder and cayenne for a baby. You could just do the sweet potatoes and the cinnamon. But one of the things I love about this dish is that you know you, you put your sweet potatoes in the oven and bake them until they're very tender. And while they're baking, you use a hand mixer to beat together coconut oil and cinnamon. Or you could use butter. But the thing that I like about the coconut oil, as we were just discussing with um, Dr. Hamilton is that it's a really rich source of lauric acid. The only other place we find lauric acid is in the breast milk, and it's amazing at helping with the development of a healthy immune system for a child. So so having this um, this this mixture of cinnamon and coconut oil and then taking the, the sweet potatoes when they come out of the oven and mixing it all together and the coconut oil melts and incorporates into the sweet potato. It makes this really delicious sweet, although you haven't added any sugar whatsoever. It's just the natural sugars of the sweet potato, um, creamy, delicious side dish. So so check that out on our website, um, the pureed sweet potato with cinnamon and chili. You can always leave out the chili and the cayenne if you're making it for your little one. And uh, that is this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Chef Sita.
Yes, and you can check that out on Facebook indeed, facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. So do we have a quick moment for the organic moment? Uh, yeah, I have an organic moment. Fantastic. Helga's organic moment. It's about grafting. Have you ever heard of Grimes Golden, uh, Howard Pippin, Hudson's Golden Gem, or White Permane? I was working with semi-dwarf heirloom apple trees last week, and holding a 12-inch bare root apple tree sapling in my hand, I realized the beauty of grafting. In grafting, you use a strong, hardy, and well-adapted rootstock um, of a variety of plants that is closely related to what you want to grow. The rootstock usually chosen has lots of great attributes. For example, it's more drought-resistant and less prone to diseases. Then you cut a little V out of the stem of that rootstock and literally glue the variety you want into that section. You use a special kind of grafting glue and grafting tape to hold the connection together for a while, but over time it will grow together and the seam will heal and it will become one tree. Genetically, these two trees will always keep their own identity, but as the tree bears fruit, it is the symbiosis, the partnership between rootstock and the variety that will make a perfect team. It's just like friendship or love. Whether you are the rootstock for someone or are the variety that depends and relies on strong rootstock to be the most fertile and delicious tree in the world, it doesn't really matter. Either one is equally important. It is often the variety that is celebrated, though. But just remember, different than for trees in human lives, the role might change from year to year. So whatever your role currently is, know that it is essential for the other. To all rootstock, be the best support you can be. And to all desired varieties, shine on, be celebrated, bear fruit, and make sure you show your appreciation to whoever is your rootstock right now. So for this spring season, happy grafting, everyone. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. Studio engineer, Robert Koster. Production assistant, Lauren Mokehi. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, visit iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we will be back right here, same place, same time next week. See you then. <laughs>